Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz, yeah, we are going to save our 80s um, trivia and probably stump you again because obviously this is an easy thing to do, even though you think you're an 80s aficionado. I'm going to save that for the end of the show after your humiliating thriller issue last week. So we're going to get right to our special guest, one of our favorite people, one of the smartest, hardest working people in the business that we are lucky to call a friend. And we are joined today by Lee Smith. Thank you, guys. That's really nice introduction. I was when you said hardest working, like, is James Brown on the show today? This sounds fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, they're talking about they're talking about me. Oh, well, if only. It's always great to be with you guys. Thank you very much again. You might hear a little hollering in the background. That's a, a, a baby who's um, processing his terrible twos. And this morning he's especially terrible. But as long as you can hear me, um, that's good. Yes, I don't miss those days. Yeah. <laughs> At all. <laughs> yeah. So we... Uh, You know, obviously, we want to get right to the two biggest uh, issues this week, the Twitter files, what is being revealed out of the Twitter files, and then, of course, uh, you know, more election news. So why don't you just jump in and tell us what you've been covering this week, what you're working on, and just your general observations. Yeah, I I think that... um... You, I, I, we still need more light on what happened with James Baker at Twitter. Should, I, I'll just run down the, the story, right? I mean, last Friday, um, Matt Taibbi, one of two journalists, along with Barry Weiss, who was tapped by Elon Musk to um, basically release these different internal documents at Twitter regarding the uh, Hunter Biden laptop censorship scandal. And so a lot of people were excited and thrilled on Friday night. And I'm sure Twitter got a heck of a lot more engagement than they have over the last couple years um, as this social media platform has run itself into the ground. So that was, you know, that was very exciting. And then uh, days passed and no one knew what was going on because we'd been promised more. And then um, Matt Taibbi uh, tweets um, a couple days ago, saying that they found out that James Baker, Twitter general counsel and former general counsel for the FBI, was um, he was uh, vetting some of this information. So he was withholding um, withholding some stuff. And of course, this is an additional scandal. And um, it, 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 it raises a lot more questions right now than it answers, among other things. Well, why was he still there at Twitter? What what was going on? Did um, did did Elon, Elon Musk obviously knew he was still there. Did he know who Jim Baker was? I, I believe he did. Did Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss know that he was still at Twitter? Um, and did they know exactly who Baker is? And I have to say, going um, lo- looking at some more details, I I I. I know who Jim Baker is. I, I can give you a rundown on his involvement in the Clinton email stuff in Russiagate, um, in the Alpha Bank server uh, uh, nonsense. But I, I, I didn't know the ex- I didn't know Baker's centrality to the U.S. intelligence services. This guy was actually something of a legend. So when he was when he moved to Twitter in 2020, it was hardly a demotion. In fact, it was an indication of how important social media is to um, I don't know. What do we want to call it? Whether we want to call it the deep state, the administrative state, the national security apparatus. The fact that Baker went over there and was general counsel is an indication of how important that property, that, that media property is. And I think it should also uh, cause us to reevaluate Elon Musk's buy because a lot of people, you know, said, wow, who, he overpaid a heck of a lot at 44 billion for something that, you know, just the, 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 the paper showed it just wasn't worth that much. 
the fact that Avery was there tells us how important it is. And, and I think for $44 billion, Elon Musk may have gotten the deal of the century. It's, it's still a young century, um, but for $44 billion, he, he bought himself one of the spy services' um, most sensitive programs. And we can go through that a little bit more, but that's just the background. I think it's important to really get a sense of who – uh, who Baker is and where and and um, and and what what his employment at Twitter means. Lee, I have a question about something should, you said earlier. I should just add in quickly. Of course, okay. I think that most of the, your awesome audience will know is that you know Baker Baker was fired as as Taibbi put it in a tweet. He was exited from Twitter on Tuesday. So that that's the only bit I want to add. He's no longer there. So. You think that Elon knew who James Jim, Jim Baker was and didn't fire him until Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi figured out that he was washing, laundering the emails that were being disclosed? Uh, Musk definitely knew who Baker was. Um, there's a, 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 a two things. I mean, first of all, there's a tweet from April. I think it's t- April 26th from Mike Cernovich. Uh, and and Cernovich is talking to Musk. He said, like, here's who Jim Baker is. He he facilitated fraud um, with the whole Michael Sussman case. And 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 Musk responded. He said, oops, uh, seems pretty bad or sounds pretty bad. Um, so he, Musk was aware uh, that Baker was at Twitter and who he was. And also remember, I mean, w- w- when Musk is is first buying the property and when there's all or makes the first offer for for Twitter. Baker's name is in the news, even in places like the New York Times and the Washington Post, right? Because um, Durham has taken uh, Michael Sussman to trial, and Baker's the Baker's the lead witness. He's right. the most important witness, and of course, Baker was a very destructive witness, right? Because Baker, you know, Baker, there was evidence on Baker's phone that was proving Durham's case, which is that Sussman lied to the FBI that he wasn't working for a client. In fact, there was evidence on a text message from Sussman saying, yeah, I don't have a client and there's no client. Baker never disclosed um, the uh, he never disclosed that text. He never disclosed those phones which were being held at the inspector general's office. So at some point, Durham finds out and and, um, like, wow, this is uh, this is bad. And they weren't able to use that evidence in court. So Baker played a very destructive role in that. And uh, that tells you something else, right? Wait, so Baker's phones were being held at the inspector general's office and no one said anything about it. Not Baker, not the inspector general of the Department of Justice, Michael Horowitz. And, you know, I, 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 so Durham basically goes in there with, without a very important, um, without a, a very significant instrument. So, uh, again, that's that's how big Baker is um, in the eyes of the uh, U.S. intelligence services. So, uh, anyway, that's a, a, a long way of answering your very important question. Yes, Musk knew Musk knew who he was um, and he knew he was still there. So the question Baker is- also helped he, as general counsel to former FBI director James Comey. Baker was also involved in the FISA warrant, correct? Yes. I think he vetted that for Comey, who signed the first two, Lee. I think he signed the first two FISA applications against Carter Page. Baker's big role, this is what I what I mean when I'm saying I, 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 not even I understood Baker's um, uh, history as part of the intelligence services. Baker was, Baker is a FISA expert. At, at when he started at DOJ in the, I think it was 1990. But this is this is what he became famous for. He was Mr. He's Mr. FISA, right? So he knows exactly how these programs work. He knows how important this instrument is. So right, what Baker did was the way he explains it was, yeah, I didn't normally look at FISA's in my role as FBI general counsel. But I wanted to check this one out to make sure it was all okay. Here's how to understand that. In short, it's that like they got Mr. FISA 
to cross the T's and dot the I's before anyone outside of the small anti-Trump operation. Well, we don't know exactly how big it was, but anyone who was outside of the anti-Trump operation at the FBI who came asking questions, they wouldn't ask any questions after anymore after James Baker signed off on it. I mean, this guy won. This guy won this, a CIA award in 2006 for counterterrorism, which is related to the stuff that he knew about FISA, the stuff that he did on FISA. So, again, FISA was the instrument that they used to spy on the uh, Trump campaign by targeting Carter Page. And now that we look at this in retrospect, it's it's clear that James Baker played a central played a central part in this. Of course, he's, you know, brushed off his role. Um, said, yeah, you know, I was just looking at it to make sure it was all OK. And now, as we know, look, a, 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 a man with this much experience, when he sees nonsense like this coming in um, and, and he starts asking questions, wait, look, so, so, so where does this come from? You know, he, he, he would uh, immediately recognize it was garbage. Right. The but, dossier you're referring to. Right. Well, I mean, and that's yeah. what they did. What they did was they laundered the dossier. They just repackaged the dossier as a FISA warrant. Right. It's just the dossier. So James Baker was the guy who legitimized it. That's how important Baker is. In lots of ways, uh, the 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 uh, FISA gate, whatever we want to call it, Russia gate. In, in lots of ways, it's Baker's operation. That's how important he is in terms of FISA in, in the in the institutional memory of the DOJ. That's how big Baker is. So. The, so we come back, Liz, your question, did Elon Musk know who he is? Elon Musk didn't have all I assume that Elon Musk didn't have all this background on James Baker, but. I believe he would have recognized he had uh, somewhat of a problem on his hands. He had a guy who was a spy, right? I mean, he uh, uh, this, he wasn't just a, a, a Washington D.C. lawyer who bounced around from um, you know from uh, from the bureaucracies into private service or, or or the private sector, right? He was a major. He was he was a, a well-known spy, um, and I should say something about his. Um, about his work in the private sector, because this is something that I hadn't that, that I hadn't really focused on before, but it's pretty important. <clears throat> he um, in April 2008, he took a job at Verizon, right, as uh, a, uh, assistant general counsel for national security, which mm-hmm. means that he would have been he would have been a liaison with, you know, with the spy services who were asking for FISA stuff, you know, they, they, they'd obtained FISAs and now they wanted the communication. So they would, you know, presumably this would have gone through Baker because this is Mr. FISA. So the person who was general counsel at the time of Verizon was none other than Trump's second attorney general, William Barr. Um, oh, boy. Right. And <laughs> and, and and this this. Um, raises or it, it it merits our attention given William Barr's record and given the stuff that Barr has has been doing of late. I, I did a short piece on Barr for Epoch Times. Um, I think the key thing to understand about Barr is this, and I can't remember I've spoken about it with you guys, but in Barr's book, um, and by the way, this will go to the heart of the of the Twitter matter again. Um, in Barr's book, he says that during the presidential debate, he was shocked to hear Joe Biden lie about Hunter's laptop, saying, oh, it's Russian disinformation. Barr said he was shocked to hear it. Well, so now we have to <laughs> we have to lay that out in a timeline. During that presidential debate, at the same time that Barr said he was shocked to hear. Well, first of all, that means that Barr knew the laptop was authentic. It was not Russian disinformation. But at the same time that Barr says he was shocked to hear Biden lie about it, Barr's deputies are out briefing that it's Russian disinformation. Including including Twitter. They're in contact with the Twitter people. Right. So there, there are since Barr has admitted it. 
there are only two possibilities. Either uh, Barr was incompetent and the people under him, since, you know, he's in charge. Not, I mean, I mean, FBI is a part of DOJ. So either he is <coughs> profoundly incompetent and the agents under his uh, ultimate authority were out briefing on a total lie. Um, that abetted the first Amend- uh, abetted first amendment rights either uh, so again either he's absolutely 100% incompetent or he was part of it can we can we riff a little bit more on Barr uh, because yeah. he really is <laughs> one of the villains here and of course Liz and I used to really have a crush on him and now he's like broke top of him. our we totally dumped him we, mm. we, yeah we friend zoned him. We didn't even friend zone him. We no, he's enemy him. zone. Yeah, yeah. Uh. So I think it's important to underscore that the FBI is under the Justice Department, yeah. and so William Barr, as Attorney General, uh, was responsible for the FBI. He said he met weekly with Christopher Ray. Um, you know, he threatened to quit. Donald, he threatened Donald Trump that he would quit as attorney general if Trump fired Christopher Ray. That's how tight they were. And unfortunately, Trump didn't send both of them with their walking papers. But at any rate, he didn't. But what happened in 2020 with William Barr, not just this scandal, but obviously knowing what was happening in the Whitmer Fed napping. Yeah. He had to know the FBI were running informants into these two alleged militia groups, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, before January 6th. Of course, Bill Barr skedaddled before January 6th. But at any rate, the his his fingerprint should be on everything because he was the guy running the department and he didn't really seem like an offhand guy. Right. He seemed very involved in what was going on. They had the, the FBI had the laptop since December of 2019. To your point, Lee, he had to have known it was authenticated. Um, but not only did he withhold that before the 2020 election, remember, he also said that if John Durham had any reporter, any indictments, that he wasn't going to allow that before the 2020 election either. So it's really uh, shameful. But I think just going back to DOJ and FBI, that's that connection there. So he had to have known. And in the Elvis Chan deposition this week that was released, the San Francisco FBI cyber, quote unquote, cyber expert uh, agent, he said that the FBI headquarters was also running this foreign information uh, election interference task force out of the headquarters as well. So all of everyone knew what was going on. Uh, you know, Barr, I think, well, from my perspective, he... He he could have gotten away with all of this and people would have just been disappointed in Durham if it were not for one thing that Barr will not that. Remember when he started, he said, look, I, I'm not someone who believe <clears throat> who believes in human life. It, it ends in a Homeric song and you have to be chronicled throughout history. And the idea was, look, I'm coming here to do my job and then I'm going to leave. And that's it. I, I don't need another job. I, I have enough money. I have my career, except William Barr did not walk off the stage, did he? Yeah, Barr said that, you know, or he suggested at the beginning of his tenure when he first came on, he was going to do his work and then he was going to walk walk off into the sunset and that was it. Well, that's not what happened, though. <clears throat> After the Mar-a-Lago raid, Barr told uh, the press that he believed at this point the DOJ would have enough um, would have enough to indict Trump. Um, so that was first. And then second, he published an article um, saying how Trump should step aside for the uh, for uh, the, the 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 benefit of the Republican Party. Right. And the idea that Barr is speaking on behalf of Republican voters is is curious, especially given that 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 Republican voters distrust the agencies Barr is in charge of more now, even more now than they did before he started. So the idea that somehow Barr has resonance or Barr's uh, 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 counsel has resonance with Republican voters is absurd. And as, as, as Julie knows very well, it was <laughs> as Julie has, <clears throat> has reported extensively. It was uh, William Barr's Department of Justice that uh, established the framework for January 6th. 
right? And going after yep. the GOP base. So the idea that somehow this guy is speaking about, uh, you know, what what's good for the Republican Party is obscene. But if you look at Barr's record going <clears throat> going back to the beginning, I think here's a, an, an important way to look at Barr's record, what he did, right? He came on board to uh, hold intelligence officials responsible for interfering in the 2016 election, right? And that was why the Durham special counsel was set up, why he appointed Durham to investigate this. So there was election interference in 2016. Insofar as Crossfire Hurricane rolled into the special counsel, Robert Mueller's special counsel, that helped drive down uh, Republican Party uh, voters, right? Like, I mean, the, the leader of the party is under suspicion as a, as, as a foreign agent. So there was election interference in 2018 as well as 2016. In 2020, right, there was election interference all over the place, starting with the impeachment, right? And let's remember at what point William Barr's Department of Justice had Hunter Biden's laptop. So uh, William Barr's Department of Justice is sitting on evidence showing that Donald Trump's contention was correct. He wasn't looking for a quid pro quo. He was defending American national security by trying to find out whether the Bidens had compromised it in Ukraine. OK, that's the first piece in 2020 election interference that, that regarding DOJ and FBI. The second piece, of course, is the fact that they're out briefing saying that Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation. So we've gone from two elections that Barr failed to hold anyone accountable for, 2016 to 2018. In 2020, Barr appears to be complicit, if not running, uh, different programs to, to interfere in the 2020 vote. With the 2022 vote, the DOJ raids Mar-a-Lago. And Barr says, not only is that okay, but I think that they've probably got enough evidence to go after Trump. With the 2024 election, Merrick Garland appoints Jack Smith as special counsel to continue to target the GOP candidate for president. And William Barr jumps on the bandwagon, writing an article saying like, yeah, I think Trump should leave. So if we look at Barr's role, in the last five elections, it's astonishing. Here's a man who served as attorney general of the United States twice. And what has he done? He's joined an anti-democracy campaign run out of the Department of Justice. It's obscene. And as I say, we might well have forgot, we might well not have noticed had Barr not continued hammering away at Trump hammering away at Trump supporters. But now the record has become clear. William Barr was not a disappointment. William Barr was something rather more than a disappointment. William Barr was a very, very destructive force. And as such, maybe one of the most consequential attorney generals in this country's history and not in a good way. Oh boy. I don't think anyone has laid it out more fiercely and accurately than you just did. And my blood pressure just went up to like, I yeah, don't know, it's 200. It, it is, but you are so right. Exactly what you just said. Um, and now prepping the groundwork with the appointment of Jack Smith to do the same thing that Robert Mueller did in, you know, 2017, 2018. And Bill Barr did not hold one single person accountable. He was actually behind the scenes, probably orchestrating a lot of this with Chris yeah. Ray and with their cutouts in the industry, like Jim Baker. Yeah. Well, he you know, had their Julie fake investigation, right? That was cover. was like, well, we've got Durham, you know, we've got Horowitz. We've got these other people looking we've into it. Delaware U.S. attorney looking at tax issues right. for Hunter. Oh, that, but Barr, that, that, Barr had to know, Barr had to know that they yeah. had Hunter's laptop in 2019. He had to know that. And he probably um, knew that it was real because and he knew that it was very damning to, let's say, the Secret Service and anyone who provided security to Joe Biden as vice president and his family could because Hunter used to travel with Joe, especially to foreign countries with lots of money, that it really implicated the institution of government as well, not just Hunter and Joe Biden. 
And so he probably was facilitating cover-up of that embarrassment as well. Barr would have known. I mean, I, I, I think you guys can check me on this, but my understanding is that they, they had um, the DOJ uh, was looking at Rudy Giuliani's uh, cloud, and they had a, they were looking at that basically since the time he became Trump's lawyer, right? So, um, and and all and all of these, I, I mean, this is the the lawyer of the president of the United States. So I am I I can't imagine a world in which the attorney general is not notified of um, of an investigation of that magnitude. And of course, that's that's how they knew. Right. This is how they this is um, Miranda Devine's um, um, mm -hmm. case, which I which I think is exactly accurate. That's how they knew that Hunter Biden's you know, they, they knew that Hunter Biden's laptop was circulating because they're reading, you know, they're reading Rudy, Rudy Giuliani's communications. And um, yeah, so I, and Miranda I, uh, is the one we should give her a shout out. She is really the one when all this is being released. She noticed that this was scrubbed of any mention of the FBI. Right. And she right. sort of called right. Elon Musk out on Twitter and said, wait a second, there's a big piece of this missing. Um, yeah. And back to your point, Lee, I'm not so sure. Now, Matt Taibbi, because he covered Russiagate, he would have known who Jim Baker is. I'm not so sure Barry Weiss, who is, is not an investigative reporter, I don't think she's covered anything in Russiagate, really knew who Jim Baker was. So I'm not so sure the story that all of a sudden she was like, wait a second, who's Jim? Oh, Jim Baker, that Jim Baker? Like, I'm not buy really buying that. Um, maybe somebody tipped her off on that. But um, yeah, we need to, I want to give credit to Miranda because she noticed, I think, what I mean, a lot of us missed when, when that was uh, first coming out. Right. Miranda pointing that out was very, very important because it's very important because we we you know, you can point to the fact and say like, oh, well, OK, Baker was sitting on this. And it's like, no, in fact, we already had knew that the FBI was involved, as Miranda pointed out, talking about like, wait, this guy, Yoel Roth, gave a, a deposition in December 2020 about being brief. So we already knew all that. So Miranda calling that out saying, hold on a second, there's a very big piece missing here. And she's exactly right. And I, I think that the Baker, I think that the this Baker stuff uh, will give us more, um, will shed more light on this. I, I, I think you and I spoke about this, Julie. I don't think you, and I don't think Liz, we've spoken about it yet. But I, I, I you know, one of, the best thing about Twitter, when Twitter functions the way it's supposed to, is, is it puts people in touch with each other and they can they can give each other different information. Right. And then with Russiagate, I mean, Russiagate was amazing. The way that people would find documents, the way that people would would identify different issues. And these were people that all sorts of different experience in the world. Some were lawyers, some were not. Some were just careful readers. Some had come from other scandals like the climate uh, Gate stuff. There's a guy on Twitter, uh, Climate Audit, uh, Stephen mm -hmm. McIntyre. So just the different stuff that people knew that they were able to put together. And this is what I believe should be happening with these internal Twitter documents. I d it's not clear to me. Um, look, I, 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 right. I'm I, I think that that Elon Musk wants to do the good thing. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And I think that he believes that, you know, Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss are, are uh, first rate reporters and they are and they're both centrist and, you know, and, and, and they are and they're not, you know, they're not known as a, a right wing fanatics like me. Um, so well, they're honest, <laughs> you know, they're honest. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so I, I get that. Although right. I agree with you, Lee, these should have been dumped. All of it should have been dumped into the public domain immediately. That's, that's right out I of the feel. gate. That's how I feel. We would we'd know a lot more. Um, we'd know a lot more. There'd be more out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 that they're not um, that they're not, I think, should lead us to ask a, f a few questions. Well, why aren't they? Um, and I, I, I think it's plausible. There, there's a theory that um, there's a theory. And because let's come back to Baker. There's a theory which I find persuasive and I'm still working it out. I'm writing on it. There's a theory that um, that Musk baited Baker. Mm -hmm. And um, here's why it makes. Look, I mean, there's a lot of pieces. <laughs> there's a lot of pieces. 
and it, 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 it's kind of a rambling machine. But here's what makes sense to me. If you see how important Twitter was to them that they put a guy like Baker there, then if you're Elon Musk, you realize you've got a serious problem on your hand. So can you just fire this guy? Well, probably not. Um, without, I mean, look at all the heat Musk is taking. I mean, this guy's mm-hmm. taking nearly as much heat as Trump, right? And um, so, what do you do with a guy like Jim, with a guy like Jim Baker, who's one of the, you know, <laughs> who's a key figure in the intelligence services? And um, is is this was this the solution? Because you know, also, also Baker is not going to resign in a you know in, in, a, in a fit of rage like Yoel Roth, right? Say, like, I can't believe they've done this to my Twitter. It's not even clear that it's Jim Baker's job uh, or, that, or that Jim Baker is capable of resigning, right? He was put there by the, I, by, by the spy services. That's, what's cl- that's what Baker's um, history makes clear. Yeah. yeah. So how do you get rid of this guy? What, what do you do? There's another theory, of course, that Musk was making that, that by not firing Baker, Musk was just looking to make peace with the DOJ and the FBI. And that's plausible too, except for the fact, just the way that they were laying into him and they they never gave him an example or they never showed him what sunlight would look like, right? It's like, if you screw with us, we'll destroy you. Here's what that looks like. Here's what this kind of pressure looks like. Congress is gonna call for all sorts of investigations. Um, we're gonna get everyone from uh, you know everyone in the executive branch, from DOJ to the uh, you know FCC to look at you. But here's what sunlight looks like. We're gonna throw so we're, we're we're gonna be loving you so hard, Elon, loving loving so much on you if you just do this. They they never showed him that. So that I, I'm 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 working this out as we're all talking. Um, that makes a lot of sense. That to me suggests that um, that they never that that was not an option for him because they didn't show they didn't show their they didn't show how deeply they could love him if they if he would just play by their rules right I I, I might be missing that but as far as I know they never said yeah Elon we can work together and it's life is going to be beautiful for you as long as X Y Z they never showed him that they only showed him. Life will be hell on you, and here we're going to do A, B, C, and you don't want us to get to X, Y, and Z because that will hurt all of your business. We will make you well, a poor is, man. I believe there's they're investigating three of his companies, and that was before yeah. he started releasing stuff. So it's not like right. they gave him a carrot before they used the right. stick. They just right. came out with the stick. So right. that's a good point, Lee. Yeah. So but to to come back, just to swing back to Baker a little bit and the significance of Twitter, it, I I think that I think there's a I think the case that they saw they saw Twitter as a version as significant as FISA. Right. And maybe I'm making too much of it, but look at what they've accomplished on Twitter. I mean, FISA is for collecting communications. Right. They they also use Twitter to collect communications. You, did you see this story? The Daily Mail, uh, I think it was the Daily Mail. I might be wrong. It came out with Tara Reid, right? Tara yeah. Reid, the woman who who had said that you know Biden had uh, her, uh, you know sexually assaulted her. Um, they Twitter, um, <laughs> Twitter under James Baker was cooperating with the FBI. Right. I, I assume what they wanted was they wanted to get to her DMs and find out which journalist she was in contact with. So they're they're collecting communications through Twitter. We know they did it with Facebook as well, that Facebook was handing off communications to the FBI. So they see social media as as a as a way to collect communications on one hand. But the other thing is. It's a censorship tool. So in a sense, social media is more important than FISA. And FISA is 
If not, again, I, I, I never worked in, in the spy services, so I don't know. My understanding is FISA is the most sensitive um, collection program they have, the most intrusive program they have, right? Is, is it really more intrusive than social media now? If these guys are taking DMs and um, uh, what, 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 what's the uh, Facebook messaging thing? It's just Messenger or something, right? If they're collecting those, and they're using it as a censorship tool. That's what Jim Baker was in charge of. One of the most crucial programs the spy services have used in the last several years. I, that's a pretty big deal. And again, in it, we have to, I think it's wrong for us to invest too much faith in an oligarch, which is what Elon Musk, but, we have to root for him to win because mm -hmm. this is an enormous this is an enormous thing. They are openly using a FISA like program against Americans. And it's okay for most of the country. And it's okay for the US government. So um if if Musk can win this, I mean that's that's a win. That's a win for the pro America faction of the United States of America. I yeah, we have to root for him to win and do whatever we can to make yeah. sure that he does, because as Liz just said, his companies are under investigation. You've got the White House press secretary openly talking about how the White House is monitoring what Elon Musk is doing. People like Elizabeth Warren making threats. I mean, he is definitely has a huge target. He's sort of replaced Donald Trump, right? Huge target on his back, a lot to lose, but because he is this clarifying factor and seems fearless, probably a little more fearless than Donald Trump for a number of reasons. But um, he's sort of taking up that mantle. Yeah. And, you know, in, a, in some ways he's been more successful than Trump in exposing uh, uh, a lot of this. Fascinating. This is this. Is, I think this is a really interesting point. I'm so glad you raised it. I, I, I you know, looking at. Um, I mean, Donald Trump put his faith in William Barr. Right to get to the bottom That's of right. this, and Bar, it's now we know that Barr didn't just fail. Barr was working at cross. Barr, Barr was working against Donald Trump. Right. I mean, this is now clear. Um, and so, if you're Elon Musk, let's say, let's just string out my my theory a little bit here. If you're Elon Musk and you see, it's like, well, you know what? I have no recourse with places like the Department of Justice because they're against me. So how do I do my work? What do I do? And that's why, and that's why, again, I think like, well, how do I, how do I, how do I get rid of Baker, and how do I underscore who? Because I can't have a, a regular conversation with DOJ or FBI because these people are all lunatics who are trying to destroy me. What do I do? And that, that I think lends more evidence to the theory that he baited, baited mm -hmm. Baker. What and what, but what does this mean? What it means is that, what it means is that right now, Elon Musk is in the win column with this, but for how long, right? Because they're going to keep coming. So he's going to have to keep coming back with devices of his own. And for the foreseeable future, this is what life will be like in the United States of America. I hope not too much longer, but there's, there's, you know, Devin Nunes talked about this all the time. There's not going to be a Hail Mary pass that's going to save the Republic. And we're all standing and, you know, marching with the band to celebrate our victory. It's it's going to be, a, 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 you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, as Devin kept saying. And and Elon Musk has won this and he got three yards and they're going to push back. And um, this is the way forward for us. This is what we have to do. The, and I've talked about it. We talked about this, I think, last time I was on the show. This is what it means to live in regime circumstances. When we don't have a Department of Justice, when we have two, uh, a two-tiered system of justice, how do you fight back? How do you win? Right? Because they're they're just going to come for him again, right? So he right. he's going to have to keep coming up with more mechanisms, more devices, as we all do. I hope Donald Trump is watching this and learning <clears throat> from what Musk did, because the answer, unfortunately, is not the Department of Justice. And look, we have to say that in lots of ways, Donald Trump 
does do the same thing. Look at all the court cases they throw at him. And he's got he's mm-hmm. fighting them all. He's fighting them all. Let's see if we can get a special master. Let's see if we can do. Well, we don't have a special master anymore. What do we do? How do we fight this? How do we fight that? That's where we are. We're, we're, we're not on our back heels, but we're fighting. We're fighting for every inch. And God bless Elon Musk for his victory this week against the bad guys. We'll see what happens next week. And we all better be prepared because, as I say, this is what this is what our future, the people who are fighting for the republic, this is what our future is. Three yards and a cloud of dust. And you know what? (laughs) It's not bad. We're fighting. I mean, we're fighting. That's right. That's right. But, But people can't expect like, oh, look, we're right to be disappointed in results from the 2022 midterms. But you know what? That. That wasn't a Hail Mary pass. There are no Hail Mary passes. There is no one, not Donald Trump, <coughs> not Ron DeSantis. No one is going to come and, and put everything right back on the tracks. The people who care, the people who are on the ground, um, you know, and that might be a strange place to see the world's richest man, Elon Musk. But he's obviously fighting for something. He doesn't have to be fighting for all the things that we care about, but he's fighting and he won this one. And really, we, we got to celebrate it, and um, and we have to learn from it. Three yards and a cloud of dust. Boom. <laughs> um, as I noted on Twitter, and that's such a great way to put it, um, but as I noted on Twitter, Elon Musk has fired one more rogue FBI agent than Bill Barr ever did. <laughs> um, yeah. That's well, a good and, point. Yeah. And look, I mean, Jim Baker, and it's important to note, these people never really leave the bureau. Right. Right. What they do is they leave the FBI for some lucrative gig, but they are there as an agent, as a representative of the FBI. So Jack Dorsey or whoever hired Jim Baker in 2020 did it either to protect Twitter from any investigation. Haha, that wasn't going to happen or to act as the conduit. He he knows where to go. Right. He knows who everyone is. He's got everyone's cell phone. Jim Baker could reach out to anyone from Christopher Ray down to some, you know, field agent at any time. So he was these people go, you know, and we have Stephen D'Antuano, who yeah. ran the Whitmer Fednapping hoax in Detroit, was promoted to Washington field office uh, chief. And he was there, you know, during January 6th. He never found the pipe bomber. He sent agents to Mar-a-Lago. He arrested Peter Navarro at Reagan Airport, et cetera. He just retired. Oddly, because that's sort of the next step before becoming FBI director, D'Antuano suddenly retires. Where's he going to go? He's going to go to some big company somewhere, not as Stephen D'Antuano, because he's, he's by all accounts a dunce. All he acts like is, you know, whatever the Democratic Party Christopher Ray told him to do to advance Democratic Party agenda and hurt Donald Trump. Where's he going to go? He's not going to go somewhere because he's a, you know, intelligent, hardworking guy. He's going to go somewhere. Some big company is going to pick him up to act as a shield from the FBI and also a conduit to the FBI. These guys never leave the bureau. And Jim Baker just proved it once again. It makes me wonder when we were talking about this, just how many people like Jim Baker are peppered throughout various technologies and corporations um, you know, pretending they're retired, but not really, and using that to funnel information into the intelligence apparatus. Um, it's amazing how that ramped up when the internet ramped up that really facilitated communication between people. And as that increased, the ability to communicate both quicker and in a to, to a larger number of people, so too did the intelligence agency's involvement in these corporations and these tech um, and these communication medium. It's actually quite frightening. It's it's very frightening, but I, I just, I, I want, here, I'll, I'll illustrate my point like this by saying that Baker, right, why lots of people, while the FBI, yeah, I think Dantuno, he's going to be ahead of national security division some big corporation and then he'll then he'll get moved back to doj or the fbi right so dento i mean right he he left for now he'll be back later in a much bigger role this guy's not going away unfortunately for america um baker is a baker is a unique figure um 
because of the FISA stuff, right? Um, that That's why he went to Verizon in 2008. So William Barr, who was general counsel, would have known who Baker was, of course, and his value to that company and what Baker was famous for and what Baker was capable of. That is not the case at Twitter. Jack Dorsey wouldn't have known. He would know that Jim Baker was a, a DOJ FBI guy, and he might even know he was a top spy like Elon Musk would know. But he wouldn't know <clears throat> he wouldn't know all the stuff this guy did. So I think it's worth asking who gave Twitter James Baker? Yeah. Who put Baker at Twitter? That's an interesting question. Yes, that's a great question. I mean, who did put him there? It wasn't ja- I mean, Jack Dorsey, right. He s- signed the checks, but I-, I find it unlikely that Jack Dorsey knows exactly what's, I mean, Jack Dorsey is, uh, this is one of the things that we found out from these early releases, right? Mm-hmm. That, Dorsey, that all this stuff was going on and Dorsey didn't know what was going on. That doesn't make him a good guy. It makes him incompetent, but he's not the guy who's saying, you know who we need here <coughs> as our as our spy service liaison, we need the great Jim Baker. That's not him. Someone goes to Twitter and says, you need Jim Baker. Well, no, I don't know if we do. Uh, take it from me. You need Jim Baker. So who did that? Who goes to Twitter? Who goes to Dorsey or whomever else and says, here's the guy you need? Well, why do we need him? Because. <clears throat> you, because What's his skill set? You know, what's the skill set that he brings based on the the Twitter mission statement, you know, it 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 seems like an odd fit. Unless oh, he's a le- first of all, he's a I mean, he's an intermediary as we saw with Russiagate, right? He's a point man. He's taking stuff into the FBI, but the mo- the more important thing was his his work with the FISA. He's he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it's great. Do it." Tw- Twitter like FISA, Twitter is a has become for them a crucial um, intelligence resource for both collecting and as uh, and uh, less so with propaganda, but certainly censorship. S- Twitter is is it, it's right now well less so because of Musk's buy, but up until Musk's buy, Twitter is a crucial spy service program. That's what this really underscores what ha- what ha- the the Baker episode really underscores how crucial Twitter is for the FBI and DOJ or how critical it was. Well, so what they happens lost next? Very badly we- this week. They lost very badly this week. Maybe Musk and uh, didn't know h- how important this fight was, but they lost very badly this week. It was very it's very bad for them what happened. And now they're going to be really mad and they're going to come back with something and it's going to happen. And, you know, they'll, they'll be licking their they'll be, you know, licking their wounds for a little bit. Then they're just going to keep coming back. So that's what I say. It's it's a, it's it's just ongoing, ongoing. And we can't get lazy. No, we will not. And Lee, I think you have just made so many just salient points today, whether it's about Baker, just Elon Musk, especially Bill Barr. Um, and, you know, I just think we have to keep getting this message out to people and what to the extent that we can hold uh, House Republicans or get no help in the Senate, but House Republicans anyway, to support Elon Musk to deflect uh, or reject any government uh, action against him and to help do the heavy lifting because, you know, he's sort of out there on his own right now. And uh uh, you know, Republicans, once again, are talking the good talk, but uh, we just need to use our resources to keep pushing. They 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 need to be they need to be inspired by him. Right. They're scared of the FBI. Julie, as, as you know, as you know, better than anyone. I mean, how, how many the, the, the handful of Republican legislators who have joined to uh, help and protect January 6th defendants. I mean, uh, again, it's just a handful when it should be all of them, but it's not. They're scared of the FBI. They're scared of the DOJ. And let's hope that some of them are now inspired by Elon Musk and say, you know, here's how you fight these clowns. Because, I mean, you can't go straight at them. It's just too powerful. They're just too powerful. So what do you do? 
what are the different um, strategies that we devise for going after them? And I, I have to say, I don't think that the best strategy is just like, yeah, let's 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 bring uh, let's bring Christopher Ray down uh, down here and and ask him lots of tough questions. I don't know. I, I like I like I love your idea, Julia. No, go, take have have a cross country tour. Do it like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Get out of Washington. Tell the stories of what's happening to all of these people. Um, Get the coverage that's needed. Put the pressure on locally instead of just nationally. Um, There's plenty of opportunities out there for Republicans to do the right thing and including Donald Trump. You know, he has resources still. He still has a voice, Um, you know, whiny complaints about things that can't be changed or just useless, counterproductive at this point. Right. So put your time and energy and resources into what's next. As you said, you know, three yards and a cloud of dust. What can Trump do to help make it five yards instead right. of, you know, taking it back <laughs> instead of a penalty where, yeah. you know, you have a 10, you have to take the ball back 10 yards. Right. Right. Um, this is, uh, I mean, you know, it's surprising, I think. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys are as surprised as I am that this is where we are as Americans right now. To protect the constitutional order, we're we're in, we're in the middle of something that uh, we're uh, I mean we're in the middle <laughs> we're in the middle of a fight that neither our parents nor our grandparents nor any other generation has been in the middle of like the <clears throat> the amount of energy being spent to attack like people people like Elon Musk like Donald Trump like Michael Flynn I mean all these people that the, the U.S. spy services have rarely devoted as much uh, attention to foreign adversaries, right? I mean, the the, the Ayatollah Khamenei. No, <laughs> I mean, um, you know, the Chinese the Chinese Communist Party. No, they're reserving they're reserving they're reserving their real heavy fire for American, American citizens for, for Americans. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. So who would have thought that that's where we'd be? But it is where we are. And that's what the fight looks like for the foreseeable future. Elon Musk wins this week. Next week, they're going to come after him again. They're going to come after all of us again. So what's our plan? And and it's, it's you know, w- we have a larger strategic plan, but we're going to have to be um, elegant. We're going to have to be spontaneous. And we're going to have to be quick witted because there'll be different opportunities all the time to uh, to fight back to fight them, to take ground and to hold some ground. But it's 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 ongoing. It's going to keep happening and it's going to be ongoing. We got to be prepared. And um, it's not enough to say we want our republic back. Right? How are you going to get it back day after day? What are you going to do? And, that, and those those questions and issues should also be put to responsible legislators. I mean, a lot of them are clowns, right, on the on, on the R side. But to the ones who are. The, for the ones who are serious, like, okay, what's your plan from day to day? I'm not talking about the big plan. We 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 all want um we all want the Bill of Rights back. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. But, um, but what's your plan to do it from day to day? How are we going to fight? So there's lots of room for people to step in and lead. Um, Liz and Julie listeners, and I'm I'm sure <laughs> there are any of you who are among them. So please step in and step in and help lead. We sure need it. And there are great leaders all over this country. Right. And 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 yeah. most of them are not in most of them are not in Washington, D.C. I think no, you can, I, I think a good template is this lawsuit that Eric Schmidt and Jeff Landry filed the AGs of Missouri and Louisiana, yeah. um, you know, filing civil lawsuits for violating people's constitutional rights. This was filed based on violating their constituents' 1A rights um, related to COVID and vaccines and uh, and, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. And so these local officials can do the same. I mean, they can do the same whether it's about January 6th or or any of these various, uh, you know, Bill of Rights violations that this government is engaged in every single day. So you're right. This needs to go beyond Washington. Yep, absolutely. Well, Lee, we know you have to run. Yep. Guys, it was great speaking to you this morning or today. Yeah.
Always good. And tell and give Augie an extra fruit snack because he was very quiet for the remainder yeah. of the show. Yeah, we took him out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> you put him in the trunk. You're yeah. like, oh, we got to put him in the trunk. I, he needed a walk. You know, it's very important. If, if, if your listening audience is still there. Remember, boys are different from girls. They need to be outside and playing in the dirt and doing stuff. You know? That's right. That's right. That's so he's out some, dirt somewhere. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks so much, Lee. Thanks, thanks for everything. Lee. Thank you, guys. Bye. Okay, Julie, do you want to do the 80s thing now that we were saving it for so we could get as much time with Lee as possible? Thanks, that guys. So, that was so good. Thank you, Lee. Um, thanks, guys. I'll that, talk to you later. Yeah, for Bye. sure. Thank you. Um, so we should say as with the 80s um the sudden i was really surprised to hear the death of kirstie alley i really liked her yeah i do too i've always liked her in in cheers one of my favorite movies i think she was in summer school did you ever see that movie summer school she was that movie was so funny i'm i mean i haven't seen it since i originally saw it so that was like in the 80s but um she was so funny in that and of course she was in cheers she was in Look Who's Talking. She was in a lot yeah, of that things. Was cute. That's a cute. I movie. was very sad um, to hear that, and it was very sh- shocking. It was a real shocker. She was seventy-one, but I don't think anyone knew she was sick. Apparently, she had cancer, and um, sounds like she was diagnosed kind of late, late stage. Yeah. Um, Just terrible. Yes. So very rest sad. in peace, Kirstie Alley. Um, yes. So moving on, I almost hate to, you know, get to something snarky, but um, it was um, this week, actually next week in 1988, um, a really a holiday classic, we're going to call it, Liz, that everyone really okay. should watch. And that was the premiere of A Very Brady Christmas. Oh, remember that when I think was it Peter who came home or Bobby, who was a race car driver? And there I think was it some, was Peter, but maybe I, I, I you know, my well, Gen you can't X be trusted brain. anymore. You can't be trusted yeah. anymore. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, um, so yeah, that's a hilarious movie. It's just so '80s and just like so cheesy and but but good stuff. So we're gonna have to see where it's on this. Maybe it won't. It won't be on the Hallmark Channel because I know you're watching that nonstop. I'm around. not actually. I I I haven't really been watching. I'm very focused on the World Cup. I'm a big World Cup person. So I've been. Oh, what's watching happening with that? Soccer. Well, we're moving on to quarterfinals. We have the group. We had the group um sec- section, which is all of the teams, and they're matched up in groups of four, and then two teams from each group advance to the round of sixteen. And then that finished. And so now there's eight teams going to quarterfinals. Then there'll be four. Then there'll be the final. So um, it's exciting. It's good. Um, The U.S., of course, didn't get very far. Um, My team is England, and England is still in. But they are playing France on Saturday, and that's going to be a big game. Ooh, Um, that sounds like it'll be a big one. That's a huge rivalry. So France is a great team. They've won a lot of World Cups. Um, Brazil is still in. I think one of the surprising things is that Germany is out already. Um, they, they do have a, a, a pretty good team. So it's still going on. So basically I've just been watching world cup stuff. Um, I haven't well, really watched a lot good of Hallmark. because you probably watched every Hallmark Christmas movie like yeah. five times over. I just haven't, you know, there's that new, I don't know if you've seen, um, stories about this new thing called chat gpt it's this ai bot that's very advanced people are talking about it because it's shocking how amazing it is you can just give it a little bit of information it can like write papers it can write computer code it can do a whole bunch of things somebody wrote like a legal brief someone said i live in this state and i'm trying to do this can you write me of this and it just wrote a contract so it's very advanced I'm tempted to ask it to write a Hallmark Christmas movie and just see what script it gets out. You know, um, yes. what would the town, would the town be called Rain, Reindeer Falls? Would it be called, you know, Christmas Free Village or, you know, 
Evergreen. Jingle, Jingle Bell City or something like that. Evergreen Park. Actually, that is a legit suburb in Chicago. Evergreen Park. Well, that too. So that's a big thing in the news. So anyway, yeah. So I, I haven't really started watching any Christmas movies. Um, but the big news on Happy Hour is that next week, for the first time in the history of Happy Hour, which is t- two years, Julie wow. and I will be together to record our podcast. I know. That's going to be amazing. I don't know how we're going to work that out. I have to figure the tech out. But we are going to be together. We'll be in a city at a luxurious resort. We're going there for a retreat. I'm not going to say. Shh, don't, tell the, don't tell the I'm, FBI. They already know, Julie. They already know. If they have people at Twitter, they obviously have people at Google. <laughs> so they obviously well, we know that, right? Emails. So, yeah, um, so that's going to be fun. Maybe we can loop in one of our fellow AM greatnesses, AM greatnessers with us. No, I don't like them. Don't tell them. I don't like any of them. Okay. Just kidding. True. Totally we don't want joking. you on I Chris Buskirk. <laughs> love you guys. Love you, Julie, Ben, and Chris. Um, <laughs> all right. But that's it for happy hour been more than an hour so it's been a really happy hour and obviously we're always happy to talk to lee so if you have not yet subscribed go to um, apple itunes happy hour with julie and liz have a great week and we'll be back shortly thanks for listening to happy hour with julie and liz we'll see you next week